On this edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum podcast, our special guest today, Jay Pinsonow from the Seacoast Media Group. And you can read his articles along with his team on the Extra Newsletter, Hampton Union, Foster's Democrat, and of course, where I catch all their articles, that's seacoastonline.com. Well, winter sports season is here. No ifs, ands, buts about it. And uh, you folks have been doing uh, a bang-up job of covering the team's basketball and hockey in particular, and uh, girls and boys. Uh, I know you've got your team covering the teams. Um, give us a preview of what you're seeing. Yeah, let's start with the uh, let's start with uh, with Jeff Holmes. Uh, um, uh, Jeff Holmes is uh, entering year 27 now with the Blue Hawks, and uh, they lost a lot of kids from last year's team. They went 14 and six, and they lost to Nashua North in the quarterfinals last year. And, they lost a lot of kids from that team. They lost uh, Hafford and Looper, but they get a couple kids back. They get Nate, uh, Nate McNeff back and Dylan Whalen and um, Nick Greco and some guys who uh, did some things last year. And I think the Blue Hawks will definitely welcome the addition of uh, Brady Rogers, who played at uh, St. Thomas Aquinas the last two years at the Division Three. He was one of St. Thomas's. Uh, Top players, they advanced to the Division Three state semifinals last year. And um, Brady um, spent his freshman year at the Exeter. He transferred to St. Thomas for the next two years, and he's now back at uh, at Exeter. And uh, ironically, uh, Brandon Brown will be at the Exeter Boys um, practice today to talk to talk to Brady about the decision to come back. Exeter always has a very competitive team. Uh, they won 14 games last year. They'll be uh, – they may not get to 14, but they'll be in the – anywhere from 10 to ten to 12 games in the regular season. And then um, what Coach Holmes does is he gets his team playing its best towards the end of the regular season, the beginning of the playoffs. So um, that would be – that would be a tough out. The team I'm um, – the team I'm really looking forward to uh, watching this year is um, – is uh, Portsmouth. Uh, they've, uh, for the first time in uh, a while, they don't have uh, Mulvey as head coach. Uh, Tyree Skibbs, uh, former UNH men's basketball standout, is uh, taking over for uh, for John Mulvey, who um, just welcomed twins in the fall. So uh, Coach Mulvey's taking a year off. Uh, coach Tyree Skibbs is here. Um, they were, uh, they're bringing back a couple good kids they got miles DeYoung. he's a senior guard he was an all-state kid last year and uh one name to look out for is a sophomore uh ryan schwartz out of ryan um out of rye probably six four six five athletic young uh can jump out of the uh building um uh coach gibbs really likes what he's seen out of him so far in the preseason and um he says that um Schwartz um, will definitely be one of the top newcomers to Division One this year and could challenge for an All-State team, uh, whether it be first team or second team. The Clippers also get a transfer, a sophomore guard out of Sanborn. His name's Isaiah Reese. Um, uh, Coach Gibbs has liked what he's seen out of him this year so far in the preseason. Um, so Portsmouth went 10-8 and last year. They lost a lot of kids from that team. 
they got bounced in the first round at at Trinity. I was there that game, and uh, they lost Matthew Mangler and uh, Elliot Miles and Sebastian Lampert. So they get a lot of holes to replace. But I think having uh, Coach Gibbs will really get that team going again, and they'll find their way at the um, towards the end of the regular season and, and uh, into the playoffs. Uh, Dover's always tough with uh, with Coach Matt Fennessy and uh, um, Lauren Lucas at Spalding. He's entering his fourth year. Um, they didn't make the uh, playoffs last year, but they got a kid. Uh, Spalding has a sophomore that really stood out last year. His name's uh, Marcel Rose. He started um, a lot of games as a freshman and was the second leading scorer for the for the Red Raiders last year. He averaged close to 12 points a game. And I think he's definitely a thousand point kid by the time he graduates. So Spalding will be much better. Uh, Winnicott, um, they lost a lot of kids um, for the first year in uh, in a decade. Jay McKenna does not have a Shockey on the roster. Uh, all four Shockey brothers are uh, have graduated. Um, they bring back a kid named Tyson Khalil. He's a senior guard. Uh, he played with his uh, brother last year at Winnicott. And, um, so Winnicott went nine and nine last year, lost in, lost in the first round. I think it's got to be somewhat similar type of season for Jay McKenna, who's entering his 19th season with the Warriors. Um, so I don't think there's a um, there's really not a Division one state contender, I think, in the Seacoast. But I think you, you're going to have a lot of decent little teams with Exeter, Portsmouth, Dover um, would be my top three. And then maybe Winnicott and Spalding would be in that right in the like middle ground of Division one and maybe right, a, right, maybe at the lower half of the. Uh, of the middle of the road. I don't know if there's a clear-cut favorite Division One this year across the state, but within the Seacoast, I think there's some teams that can play well, hopefully find their way at the end of the regular season, and then do some damage in the uh, playoffs. Yeah, it's funny because uh, Jeff Holmes with the Blue Hawks, uh, like you say, he's been there 27 years, so he's, he is the senior statesman. Probably, I don't know who the oldest coach is in the state of New Hampshire, but he's he's definitely here in the Seacoast, the senior statesman. And uh, uh, it was funny, the other day I was looking uh, at your article and I said, 27 years. So I've been doing the public address announcing with Jeff. And then prior to Jeff, Kyle Hodson was there. And then I started with Gary Tyrone. That was 30, I'm going to say 32, 31 or 32 years ago. <laughs> So I guess I'm up in that senior statesman category too. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, Jeff is losing here, and I'm going grayer every year. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jeff hasn't lost hair in a while, so he <laughs> he, uh, he 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 lost it all the years back. So you know, I'll tell you, he he is a, 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 an epitome of a coach that, that has built a program and and uh, reloads. I mean, you, you're right; he loses players every year, but then he finds somebody or a couple of players that step up and, and, and take on the role as, as, uh, you know, standouts of the captains, not necessarily captains, but just the, the guys that the go-to guys 
the ones that you can count on in, in clutch time in a basketball game. And uh, there's always a, a great rivalry with a lot of teams, in particular the Winnicott Warriors. I'm looking forward to that game this year. Um, and I want to touch base on on an article you wrote uh, about Jay McKenna's been the coach there for many years. Uh, 19. This is 19. 19. Holy man. So he, yes. he's right behind. He's right behind Jeff. Um, so you wrote about uh, his assistant coach, Seth Preventure. It's a great article, and I encourage people to go to Seacoast Online and pull it out. But just give us a, a, a thumbnail on that article that you wrote. Seth graduated, I believe it was 20, 2017 at, at Winnicott. He spent two years at Southern Maine Community College. Um, he had hopes of maybe playing some college football. Big kid, 6'8", six, six, 325, 330. And as big of a kid as Seth is, size-wise, he's that nice. Just a just the epitome of a gentle giant. Um, so Seth had some uh, – It's it's been well chronicled that, uh, that Seth did not have the best home life growing up. Um, he relied on uh, – uh, a lot of he relied on friends, especially his senior year. He he lived at a he lived at a friend's house. Um, Jay McKenna really took really took him in as a player, as a as a student back when uh, Seth was in uh, high school. And Coach McKenna helped helped Seth get into Southern Maine Community College um, to get his grades up. He's a he's eventually he wanted to go to a traditional four year college and uh, either play basketball or football uh that did not work out but he did he did uh spend two years in southern maine and then um he got a job at the uh, portsmouth naval shipyard as a rigger jay um longtime assistant james conley he had to he had to he has a growing family and he wanted to spend more time at home with his two kids so he wasn't going to be able to devote all the attention as he had of uh, being Jay's top uh, top assistant, uh, so he he had to step down, and uh, Jay was looking for potential replacements, and he was thinking about maybe man uh, maneuvering some guys on staff and have Seth come in as the freshman coach, and then and then work his way up, but um, Seth's job at, at the shipyard um, wouldn't allow or or the timing of him getting out of work at the shipyard wouldn't allow for him to get to school for the, uh, for freshman practice. So Jay said, uh, well, we have an opening on, 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 on the varsity staff. Take the, um, uh, typically they have a later start for practices. Would you like to be a, my varsity assistant? And Seth uh, jumped at the chance and he really can relate to these kids. Um, he really, um, in that story that I wrote, he said he benefited greatly from teachers, coaches, friends at Winnicott who who loved him. He used those words. They he he was very blessed at Winnicott. So he's now giving back to the community that helped him out uh, to where he is today. So he's um, he's going to be helping out as uh, Jay's uh, top assistant at the varsity level and. Um, I think he's going to do good. I think he's going to do a very good job with them and uh, looking forward to this first year with him on uh, Jay's staff at the uh, Winnicott boys basketball team.
I'll tell you, it's a great article. I encourage everybody to go on to Seacoast Online and uh, pick it up and uh, and read it because, uh, you know, in this time of year, especially people need people. And uh, it's a good example right. of, of somebody who has a skill, a talent, uh, and uh, applies it to doing good things. Mm-hmm. Future kids that may, you know, look back and say, hey, that 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 guy is a, a, a straight shooter. That guy that guy's aces, and uh, the article really is, like I say, uh, something I want to commend you on. And uh, you always come up with something like that that I uh, I like to I like to bring out because uh, again, it's a, it's not just a feel good story, but it, it is it is a feel good story. It's it's uh, uh, again, Seacoast Online and uh, Jay Pinsano talking about Seth Preventure. You'll see it. Uh, if you Google it, it'll be there, and it's well worth your time to read. I I wanted to ask you about the girls' uh, side of basketball. I know the, the extra Blue Hawks have a new coach this year. They they came close last year and uh, didn't quite make it into the uh, deep into the playoffs. So what uh, what do you hear about girls' basketball in the Seacoast this season so far? So as you said, Exeter does have a new coach, uh, Kayleen Rogers, and uh, she's the mother of uh, Brady Rogers. Um, Who's who? Who we mentioned earlier about transferring back to Exeter. Exeter will have four new starters and a new coach. So they went thirteen and five last year. Um, the lone starter they get back is uh, Ari Pompeo, a senior forward. Um, so uh, so Coach Rogers is really excited about what she can do with this uh, group of girls this year. So they get some good players on the team. They get. Uh, they get Pompeo, like I said. They get Eleanor Kirkland and and uh, Marley Masick and Carly Scherf, Grace Weed. Um, so they get some players. Uh, again, I think the team you see uh, this week is going to be not as good as the team you're going to see from the Blue Hawks uh, down the road at, at the uh, end of the regular season at the start of the playoffs. But I think the premier, um, the premier uh, girls basketball team in the Seacoast this year will be the, uh, will be Tim Hopley in the Portsmouth Clippers. Uh, uh, they got, they, they got talent up and down the roster. They went 20 and three last year. They uh, lost in, in the uh, division one semis against Bedford. I think if you ask most people, I think they either say Pinkerton or Bedford is the favorites to, uh, to win it again this year. They met in last year's, Final, but Portsmouth's gonna uh, Portsmouth's gonna give both of those teams a run for their money. They got they got three great starters back in uh, in Margaret Montplaisir um, and uh, Mackenzie Lombardi and Avery Romps, Maddie McCannell. So they have um, those three minus Lombardi started most of the season last year. Uh, Lombardi, I saw her. You talk about the Clipper basketball team. You talk about Montplaisir and Romps and the McCannell, but, uh, but Mackenzie Lombardi was the one that people really didn't talk about because of the three other great players. And I probably saw the last five or six games last, uh, uh, last season for the Clippers. And I thought Lombardi was their at times their best player on the floor. Uh, she, she's now a senior guard, very good from the outside, has range, can take you off the dribble, get to the basket. So I think they have four very good starters. And then they're deep. They have uh, they've Haley Coombs, another senior forward. Sydney Pettis can come off the bench and provide some minutes as a guard. Um, so uh, Tim Hopley has a great 
season this year. Uh, but the target's going to be on their back. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said, uh, uh, Bedford and Pinkerton are going to be the ones that everyone's looking at. But don't be surprised if Portsmouth can can knock one of those uh, uh, teams off and, and get to the championship game. This is the fourth year as varsity starters for those four girls I mentioned. All four of them have been in the varsity lineup for the most part since their freshman year. And this is the year that they think they can take that next step and get to that championship game. They've lost to Bedford the last three years in the semifinals. They think with the nucleus of the team back from last year, they uh, they can take that next step and get to the championship game this year. Well, I, uh, again, Tim is another coach that just reloads that, that uh, Portsmouth Clifford team yes. is always yep. just, you know, there and uh, it's good to see it. I mean, they, uh, they have, they have a lot of talent and uh, I'll be excited to see that game when they take on the Exeter Blue Hawks. And, uh, and uh, coach Hopley doesn't have a year off. He goes right from football. Yeah to basketball, then he's obviously the head baseball coach at Portsmouth High School. Mm-hmm. And then when summer starts, he goes right into either summer basketball or preseason football. So, so <laughs> Tim Hopley, there's no real offseason for Coach Hopley. And I asked him last week when we talked to him, uh, Coach, what's your favorite sport? And he said not He said not many people not many people would think this and not a knock against the other two, but he really – enjoys his time with the girls basketball team mm-hmm. he he likes being a football coach likes being a baseball coach but he really enjoys the the being the head coach of the girls basketball team and as uh, i think this is the year that uh they can get to the championship game so the man gets results that's for sure he gets he results he gets he gets the 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 Clippers to play uh, play hard and play fast, and and uh, you see the results every year. Well, I want to ask you. I know that uh, Al Pike and uh, Terrell Covey have been covering uh, hockey, uh, school boy and school girl hockey will be getting underway as well. Uh, any any notes you can throw at us on those two uh, two subjects? Yeah, Exeter is the only uh, Exeter is the lone division. Uh... Division one team in our area, Paul T. Martino always does a great job with the Blue Hawks there. And uh they probably gonna be um somewhere somewhere in the upper upper echelon of division one uh this year. Um but I think division two is uh is gonna be loaded again with Seacoast teams. Uh you have uh you have Dover, you have Winnicott, you have Oyster River, you have Portsmouth, you have Spalding, you have Summersworth. And I asked, uh, I asked one coach, uh, I asked one Division two coach, who who would be your preseason Final Four? And he mentioned um, um, Oyster River, Winniconnet, Spalding, who did not even get into the playoffs last year, and then Merrimack as his uh, preseason uh, Final Four. And uh, so uh, three teams, three Seacoast teams, in the final four is being predicted by um, one division two uh, uh, voice hockey head coach there. So I think it's going to be very competitive. As we all know, uh, Dover high school boys won the um, state championship last year. They, they were started the season at four and six, um, but um, they won. I think they won their last 11 games to win 
to win the um, state championship there. They lost a lot of kids, though. Um, they lost all-state goalie. They lost uh, all-state forward. Uh, but Mike Young, who's now in his eighth season as uh, head coach of the Green Wave, he really likes this group of players that he has this year. Um, a few of the players um, were part of that team uh, last year. Um, Owen Owen Kokazi, uh, Caleb Maraska, uh, um, two seniors who were part of last year's uh, – who played like supporting roles last year. They, they won a championship, but they want to go out and – they want to win another one that they earned this year. Um, they felt like uh, they didn't show their their true talents last year because obviously they had some great kids that graduated, and um, but they want to take that next step and um, and uh, potentially win another one for the Green Wave. But um, I think Oyster River Port, um, um, Peter Harwood always does a great job over there. Uh, Paul Canale with Winnicott and uh, Jamie Ferullo, who uh, who always does well on the Seacoast uh, uh, Amateur Golf Tournament every summer. He's the head coach at uh, Spalding, and he's very excited about this year's team. And um, and uh, Spalding went uh, four and fourteen last year, didn't even qualify for the Division Two tournament, and now they're saying that the Red Raiders are. Or, or at least one coach is saying the Red Raiders has what it takes to uh, to get to the Final Four and contend for the state championship this year. And it's going to be an exciting season for uh, hockey, both of the, the guys and the gals. And uh, I just want to, again, go and, and compliment your team, uh, Al, Terrell, Brandon, and you for the coverage. You guys are five-tool players, no doubt about it. And uh, if people want to keep up on what's what's happening with all the teams here in the Seacoast and in the southern regions of Maine, uh, again, check out all the papers in the Seacoast Media Group. But seacoastonline.com is where I, I do most of my uh, news grabs and sports grabs. <laughs> we appreciate that, as always. No problem, man. You do great work. Uh, I want to shift gears to the... Uh, NFL for a second. Um, I, I, I'm forget Bailey Zappy mania. I'm just, I'm I, we've won one victory and uh, everybody's getting him ready for the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. I, I I I know I got a chance to go see the very last game of the season. Uh, the NFL still hasn't figured out what day because it's a flex game because it's a potentially uh, a game where Aaron Rodgers could come back and play for the Jets, but it also mm. could potentially be the last game for Bill Belichick as head coach of the Patriots that were, you know, both to be yeah. determined. Uh, so we'll, we'll, I want to move on to a, a closer to home topic, a game between the LA Rams and the uh, Ravens. Um, it involves a local, a local guy. Hunter Long was in that game. And to tell us what happened, tell us, give us a thumbnail on that one. Yeah. Last week, um, Tyler Higby, the Rams starting tight end got hurt. And Hunter is basically was serving as the backup tight end, so he got a lot of he got a lot of playing time once Higby got hurt last week. So he went into this game at Baltimore as the basically starting starting tight end as Higby was ruled out with a with a couple different injuries. Um, so um, we had our friend uh, Sandy Healy, a longtime Exeter photographer. Uh, for all sports, uh, she was going to be down in the Baltimore area yesterday. So I was able to get her 
uh, credentials to get on the field. So Sandy was on the field at the Ravens game, got a lot of great photos of Hunter. Um, and then um, I think it was late first quarter um, on a punt attempt. Um, Hunter was injured and it was a knee injury. I don't know if it was right or left, but he was taken out of the game. He had the, uh, if it was shown locally here in uh, the Boston area on Fox and they showed Hunter in the uh, getting carted off. So that's never a good sign, but, but he was playing, he was playing very well um, right before he got hurt. He, there was some, there was some key blocks he was making in the run game to open up some holes. Uh, Rams marched down the field uh, on their first drive. I think they ran 10 or 12 straight plays in a row and, Hunter was right there in the middle of opening holes for the Rams running back. I think his name's Tyron Williams. Um, and then when they would get down to the red zone, um, Hunter was uh, kind of spread out wide and he was going out in, in, uh, in pass patterns. And there was one, he, he had never had an NFL touchdown before. And um, there was one play where he was out on the right side of uh, Stafford and um, I thought he was going out in the end zone, and I thought he was going to get his first touchdown. And Sandy actually was in that corner of the end zone with their camera. So I thought it was going to be – I thought fate was going to have it where, where Hunter catches his first <laughs> touchdown. And right there is Sandy Healy, who's taken many hundreds of uh, shots of Hunter Long when he was with the, with the Seahawks growing up and then in his time with uh, – with mm -hmm. Exeter and, and Coach Ball there in, at Exeter High School and then on, on to uh, his post-grad year then at, at BC. But I thought it was going to align there where where uh, Hunter was going to grab his first NFL touchdown. I was so confident that Hunter was going to get a touchdown. I did hop on DraftKings yesterday, and, and I put a small little wager on Hunter Long as an anytime <laughs> touchdown scorer. And I, I sent uh, I sent that screenshot to Hunter's mom, and she kind of laughed at that. And then, so of of all the things that could have happened, uh, it, he was playing very well, and um, he got hurt there. And um, we had a reporter there yesterday's game, and um, so he spoke to, according to the Rams PR staff, uh, he's supposed to talk with Hunter at some point today. Um, on the phone because he was not made available yesterday, obviously, because he was dealing with his injury. But um, but Sandy sent me a bunch of photos uh, that she took in the game, and um, it was raining and she was soaked, but she had a great time uh, watching Hunter like she's done hundreds of times before right there on the field. And she couldn't have been more excited to be on the actual field of an uh, in shooting in an NFL game one of the kids is she shot while he was growing up in the extra system. So um, look for that story sometime, sometime this week with the uh, Sandy Healy photos. So but my, my best of luck to Hunter and then he can, uh, he can uh, rehab his knee. And like I said, I don't know the extent of the injury, but uh, when you cart it off, it's not a good sign, but Trevor Lawrence, he kind of, he kind of needed help last Monday night and he played yesterday. So who knows? Maybe Hunter will be back uh, playing for the Rams this weekend. So it's always good to see a Seacoast kid out there on the who realized his dreams and he's played in the NFL. 
Oh, amen. Amen. And, and it just you know, goes to what I usually say at, at the end of the season get together is that, you know, enjoy every minute you're on the field or, or in whatever sport you're playing, you know, in the moment, enjoy it because you just never know, you know, sure. an injury can put you out for good. Or in this case, it might be just for a, a week or two, or hopefully he's back next week. But uh, yeah, it, uh, and, and Sandy uh, Healy is a hall of fame photographer yep. as far as i'm concerned a hall of fame member of the blue hawk family for sure yeah. that's for sure she is she's a legend there yeah she is she is and she's always available to take um, action photos for whatever the teams are and uh you know it's a labor of love for her just like yeah. you know a lot of the stuff i do is, is as well um want to change gears to baseball now the big news of the winter meetings obviously is and we've been talking about this over the past few shows shohei Otani is now a member of the Dodgers. No surprise. They seem to have all the money and they want to load up their team as much as they can uh, and hopefully get back to the World Series. Uh, take What's your take on the $700 million signing for 10 years? And uh, do you see anything coming out of those winter meetings for the Red Sox? I was, uh, I was, I was surprised at how I knew Otani – was going to get a historic contract um, based on just the, the just based on the player that he is, uh, but he's not going to be able to pitch until 2025, which obviously hurts his his value a little bit. And I I knew he, he still was going to get good money, but never in my dreams did I think he was going to get 700 million dollars on an average of 70 million a year. However. From uh, from early reports, are saying a lot of that money is going to be deferred. So it's really it averages out to seventy million dollars a year, but it's going to be stretched across uh, numerous years beyond Otani's uh, career, which allows the Dodgers to spend more money, I guess, to uh, to bring in some supporting members. Not that they need any more supporting members with the with the lineup they have and the uh, the pitching they have, but. Um, they're saying they're, they can still go out and get uh, Yamamoto. They say the Dodgers still want Yamamoto, and um, I hopefully, hopefully the Red Sox get him because the Red Sox need something. Um, they um, they made a couple trades during the winter meetings. They shipped Verdugo to the Yankees in a very rare rivalry trade between the two teams. Uh, um, that hasn't been done in years. Uh, I. I remember when we got Mike Stanley, a backup catcher from the Yankees back in like probably 20 years ago. And then there was the great trade that I remember when I was a kid. It was it was the trade of designated hitters between Don Baylor and Mike Eastler right. uh, switching teams. So mm -hmm. those teams don't make trades often, but uh but the Red Sox got a got uh got a couple pitchers back in that trade for Verdugo, and then they traded for um Tyler O'Neill, um, another like if if people thought if people thought uh, Jared Duran looked big, they haven't seen Tyler O'Neill because Tyler O'Neill is jacked. Um, so I think GNC is going to be a, a sponsor or a potential sponsor um, for the Red Sox <laughs> next year. This guy can hit. He had 31 home runs in 2021. He's been injured the last couple of years, but the Red Sox wanted to get a, a, a more balanced offensive attack and he can play all three outfield positions power hitting right-handed batter so i think that fits with them 
But one thing they still need is they still need at least two starters. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Montgomery's out there still. Blake Snell's out there still. Uh, Yamamoto, though, is the big fish. Um, I think everyone, he's the prize. And I think once he signs, the others will fall. He's going to probably set the market. And then the other secondary pitchers like Montgomery and Snell and others are going to sign quickly after that. But uh, Yamamoto supposedly meeting with the the Yankees today, and he's already met with Steve Cohen of the Mets. And um, I just think it's very imperative that the Red Sox, uh, if they don't get him, they need to go out and get two quality front of the front of the rotation starters. Yeah, they 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 can't drag it uh, on too too much longer. I mean, if Yamamoto is is just strictly going for the big name ticket cash, uh, move it on and try to spread it around to like you said Montgomery or Snell or combination thereof. Um, yeah, I uh, I was it was funny that the Yankees did make their big dip and they went after Juan Soto for a year and signed him up for a year. Um, well, made a trade for him, put it that way. Uh, that's going to cost them some serious change if they do extend his contract which i'm assuming they're thinking about uh i think uh alex uh, uh, verdugo is just kind of a stopgap measure i i think uh you know like you say it was a case of uh it was time for a, a change of scenery for him yeah. i think you know he just he, he may i don't know how he'll apply himself to the yankee way of of playing baseball i, I that that remains to be seen so whether he'll have success there. <laughs> I was thinking back to things that the players that left the Red Sox and went to the Yankees and had a successful career after uh, we gave up on Sparky Lyle as our closer. And he went to the Yankees and had a couple of world series with them. <laughs> That's how yeah. far back I go. <laughs> and then Jacoby Ellsbury, he had a great career with the Yankees after he left the Red Sox too. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, my friend, two Wade minutes. Boggs, Wade Boggs, Roger Clemens. Yeah, Wade Boggs. So there's been free agents who've gone there, but it's been rare that there's been yeah. trades. Yeah. So there yeah. has been big name free agents who've left the Red Sox to go to the Yankees. And uh, they do that just to rub it in our nose. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it will be interesting to see if, if Craig Breslow does pull a rabbit out of his hat. Uh, and, and at least one of those names you just mentioned, Montgomery or Snell, it's almost a half to at this point. Yamamoto yeah. would be the the icing on the cake, obviously, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think the the big money is kind of scaring some of these teams off too. Not the agents and not the players, but the teams. Um, well, they can spend it though. John Henry is not, not not crying poor, so he's uh, of course not. No, no, he can go and spend the money. So it's the case. Does he want to? If he wants. Does it, he, he want to go spend, spend the money to be to be to keep up with the uh, Yankees and the Dodgers and all the other teams who can bring in these free agents with these crazy contracts teams are giving now. Um, Just going back to Juan Soto, him being a left-handed batter, how many home runs can Juan Soto hit at that little league stadium that they call the (laughs) Yankee Stadium, where a pop-up, a routine shallow pop-up is a home run at Yankee Mm -hmm. Stadium in the right field. He Mm -hmm. is going to, he's going to hit at least, at least 50 home runs minimum. That's um, that's gonna be crazy with the numbers he is gonna put up there in that that's little one, league stadium at Yankee Stadium. That's one of those ones you could go on DraftKings and put put that down. Right. That that's an over under, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a couple bucks on there. Yeah. A couple of that Entertainment one, yeah. purposes only, sure. 
Two minute drill. Excuse me. Two minute drill time. Anything you'd like to throw on the table before we close it out today? Ah, uh, just disappointed the Celtics didn't get to Vegas. Um, with the with losing to uh, Indiana last Monday in the quarterfinal round, I really uh, watching that in season tournament. I I really liked it. Really got the teams involved, and um, it, it um, each member of the winning team got five hundred thousand dollars, and. So, so LeBron James can now go get that second car that he wanted because he <laughs> he got another half a million bucks. And but it means a lot. It, it doesn't mean a lot for him and Anthony Davis, but it does mean that half a million dollars means a lot for the guys at the end of the roster. Right. Um, so they were engaged. Um, I didn't think the Lakers had what it took to to win the in season tournament. I think it's called the NBA Cup now. Uh, but I was disappointed the Celtics didn't get to Vegas. Uh, but I was really impressed with the kid from uh, Indiana who really um, hurt them. That uh, that Tyrese Halliburton kid. He really, he's he's real. I'm I'm becoming a fan of his. Um, so yeah, so so two minute drill. Uh, just Celtics disappointed, and um, I was disappointed also. I'm a big diehard pa- uh, Patriots fan, and I was disappointed with their win on Thursday because um, <laughs> I really want them to. Uh, to uh, to I don't think they can win any more games and and maintain top two in the draft and 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 uh, wherever they go, whether it be quarterback or wide receiver with Marvin Harrison if he comes out or offensive tackle from Penn State or Notre Dame, whatever draft pick the Patriots ultimately make in April, they need to make they need to hit that hit that draft selection. They can't, it can't be another Nikhil Harry. It can't be another Cole Strange. Right. They need to make sure whatever pick 